everyone, it's Leanne from the Alberta Motorcycle Safety Society and welcome to Think Bike, a podcast about all things motorcycle and the voice of motorcycle safety and awareness in Alberta. We like to talk about everything motorcycle related and bring you great guests to share their stories. So thank you for tuning in. On today's podcast, we're going to talk about prepping for long trips. And for this, I am bringing in the long trip expert, Chris Bolter from TNT Motorcycling. How are you today? I'm doing okay. I wouldn't say I'm an expert, but I do <laughs> go some places sometimes. You have done some, we'll, we'll get into it, but you have done, you have done some stuff in your long time of riding. So what is new at TNT these days? Uh, this year we're trying to, it's funny, we're doing this podcast a little bit because we're focusing on the instructor and this year for TNT, just trying to do some different things. And we're revamping our whole website, which has been a real struggle. So usually we're taking bookings right now, but we can't even do that. So we're hoping to have a, a real good um, uh, online experience. So something that we can ban to. Yeah. And just to clarify, uh, because we record early and air later, the website should be up and running by the time we have this podcast out there. So. Um, yeah, I know February was a fun month for you guys with the revamp. And uh, we did do some advertising about that to help you guys have some patience for people looking to book with you. Let's get into... Um, prepping for long trips, because it's something you are familiar with. What is the longest motorcycle trip that you have been on? Uh, the longest has been to South America. So when my son, Eric, who teaches for us as well now, when he was getting out of um, high school, he worked for Team Team to raise some money, and we decided we were going to ride through Central and South America. So he's probably been the youngest guy who's ever done it. So that trip there was probably 30,000 Ks. We were gone for four months. Oh yeah. my God, that, yeah. uh, that's a trek. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a trek. And, and it was, uh, yeah, it was a really, really good experience, not only for me, but for him, especially being so young, right? To travel and see different cultures and go through borders and stuff all on the motorcycle. So that was really good. But you've also done long trips with your daughter as well, correct? Yeah. Yeah. We've done, uh, we've done trip. Well, all my kids are forced to do um, <laughs> some sort of ride. So they're all forced to do the three flags, which is like Mexico, uh, U.S. and into Canada. And, and that's a four or five day trip. They all have to do that ride. So the idea is you learn to ride a motorcycle, like it or not like it. You're, you've got to experience riding, you know, distance and in different environments. And then, you know, what do you decide to do from there is there. So can I ask why you force your children to do that? I mean, I would be totally game for it if I was your kid. But is it just purely for the experience? Yeah, I think so. And, and the confidence like motorcycling, you know, especially when you're younger, uh, and when you're learning and you haven't really done much traveling, it's, it just gives you confidence that you can be on your own. You can ride your own motorcycle. You can make your own decisions. You can deal with the weather. You can deal with the traffic. And um, like all my kids now, and I think it's really out of riding motorcycles, is that they are all very comfortable going anywhere in the world by themselves and, and traveling on their own or with their friends or in and out with their friends. But they're not worried about it because they, they can understand they can get around. Right. They can get around. 
That so. is a, such a great life lesson to teach them so young. Um, when we get into going on these long trips, because I, I like long trips. I tend to like to do them solo uh, or with one, maybe two other people. What are the planning stages that you suggest people take when they're looking at doing maybe not a four month trip or maybe a four month trip, but, you know, a couple of weeks or up to a month? What kind of planning should go into that? Well, I think it's like, it's like kind of like everything. People, people always want to over plan, right? And they always want to make sure everything's perfect, but you, you can't. Like years and years ago, we had a, we had a young fellow um, like take a course, the very last course of the year in September. And um, he's like, oh, I got to find a bike. I got this trip booked. And I'm like, what do you mean you got this trip booked? Like you, you never ridden a motorcycle before. No, no, no. But I'm, I'm taking this motorcycle trip. I'm going to South America. I'm like, what? You're taking your bike. When are you leaving? Oh, like in a week. In a week? <laughs> you don't even have a motorcycle. You just got your license. Never learned before. No, never rode a motorcycle. He passed the course. He was okay. And I'm just like, holy moly, man. I said, you know, people plan your trip for years and you're like just winging it. And he sent, he ended up sending me um, like a postcard at the bottom, like just so happy about everything. So if you're, if you're thinking about taking a trip on a motorcycle, I think the biggest thing is just put it on the calendar and say, this is when I'm going. What, however I'm ready, I'm ready. Right. Like you've got to decide, you know, how much time you have. Right. So if you're, you know, getting into school or if you've got to take holidays, you've got to understand, um, you know, where I'm going and how much money I have. Right. So, I mean, if I have lots of money, I have lots of time, I can go a long ways. Right. And then where my son was like, you know, I picked up a whole bunch of maps when we did that trip. And when I've done Portugal or anywhere, I always travel with, a, with try to have a map. And he's like, you don't need that. You got GPS, you got your phone. But there's a lot of places don't have signals, don't have ability to do it. Right. Or it's just impossible to figure out a Wi-Fi code because you're in a, you're in a country that speaks a whole different language. It's just not easy. But if you have a map, you know where you're going and if you've got some time and you've got some money, then, you know, that's the biggest thing. And just to go, just to go. Yeah. And, and I, I agree with you. Like there is the over planning that a lot of people do. Like I, I tend to do a, I generally want to be here by this time, but you can't account for road closures that are unexpected or weather that's unexpected. So you may need that map to find alternate routes or, you know, a safe haven, or maybe you don't make it to your destination because of weather constraints that have come up. Um, Camping versus hotels, like even that, like, you know, let's, let's get into a bit of like, what should you pack on your bike? Because, oh my God, I've seen some people out there and, and I'm guilty. First, first big bike trip I did right. way, way overpacked, like not, not cool. What would you suggest uh, like for packing your bike? Well, um, yeah. And this is really a personal preference, right? Like when I packed a bike, when Eric and I went, I thought I was packing super light. We weren't going to tent or camp because where were we were going other than the States part, right? There was no camping to be had. You're not going to be camping in Mexico. You're not going to be camping in Bolivia or Chile, right? So it's like, well, why are we carrying all this gear, right? This, we're not going to do it because it's just it's just not the same as camping anywhere else. They don't, no, it's they just, not safe. 
Well, they just don't have that kind of situation. Yeah, and it's not safe for us for what we thought. So we knew we weren't going to do that. So I'm like, okay, I got everything done. Looks good. You know, we're running a couple of GSAs, so we have lots of room. And then I look at Eric. What do you got? Nothing really. He had his gear. He had, I think, a swimsuit. Didn't bother bringing any any change of clothes. Really had an extra shirt. Like he was like minimalist. I'm like, are you crazy? And I've kind of forced him to bring a rain suit, right? So it just really depends. And he still travels like that. Like he travels super, super, super light, right? So I think the key to think about it when you're doing it for yourself is say to yourself, well, I have a particular motorcycle I'm going to be using. I've got to make sure that I'm not going over the load limit of that bike. And I have the right tires on that thing for that low limit. And I have tires that are going to last. So when I'm packing, I always just think to myself, well, if I need, you know, if I'm gone for a week, do I need seven shirts or do I need three t-shirts? You know, most of the time you're wearing all your gear every day. You're not, you're not really doing much other than going out to eat after. So, and you're going to do laundry no matter what you do. Right. So it just depends, but I have other instructors like instructors and they'll fill it up to the, to the rafters. Right. So it is tough, but I think it's, you really got to look at it by weight to make sure you're not doing too much, right? So where can you find what your weight limits are for your bike? Well, you can just look up in the owner's manual. You can go online now pretty easy, right? Like for my bike, I, I looked it up. So for my 2013 BMW GSA, which is what we took, right? Um, the maximum allowable weight really was 1,045 pounds, right? Altogether. That's everything, including the bike's weight. So the bike's 505 pounds and then fuel's 50 pounds on that bike. And then I'm 200 pounds with my gear on. So that leaves me about 290 pounds that I can use for anything I want to carry. And that's just me. But if I had a, another passenger with me at 150 pounds, you can see how all of a sudden you're like, whoop, now I really can't carry much, right? And that's if I have, you know, the proper tires and everything's really good. So, and I think that's the other side of the coin. People don't really think about how much their weight they're putting on the, on the bike. So they could be over the limit required and then they don't have the the very best tires for it right which of course causes you know increased tire wear increased tire problems everything you don't want to be doing when you don't know where you are right for that end of it so it's always less is more right less is more yeah i've uh i've definitely learned that over the years i like i said i remember my first good little jaunt up to uh my cabin in northern saskatchewan and I was going for a week and it's like I had to pack everything in the kitchen sink. And now when I head out for like two weeks out to BC or whatever, it's everything's so compact and I know exactly what I need to bring in. And there is laundry services everywhere you go. So, you know, if you're worried about not having enough clothes, wash them. Or there's people who take stuff and and discard it and just buy new undies or whatever wherever they are if if they so right. choose to do that well that's exactly right you take all the stuff that is just about worn out for t-shirts underwear socks and then you say that's what i'm doing right yeah i'm just gonna get rid of them as i go so i'm losing weight as i go but it's still even then there's such good tech in in you know the um, camping world and the, and the hiking world that you can just use better quality stuff that doesn't, you know, smell as easy, that's washes easy, that dries very easy, 
without a lot of work, right? Yeah, absolutely. And if you're serious about it, if you're serious about it, which I am for motorcycling, you, you spend the money on the gear to make to make this work easily for you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a, we talk about gear on multiple episodes just because it just comes up because it's always a thing. Like the, yeah. there's gear for everything now and gear for all weathers. And it's the same jacket that can convert based on different weather. That's or, right. You know, so it, it makes things a lot easier. But then you get into things that you should probably really pack. Like what about emergency situations? Um, yeah, emergency situations like we were on, I think it was at Portugal or someplace with a buddy of mine and we were on a trip and he talked to his bank before he left to say, this is where I'm going. What's going on? I didn't talk to my bank at all. I'm like, what is the, it's no business of theirs where I go. And he's like, oh, you got to do this. You got to do this. And then we were some small little town and, and I usually try to carry cash with me, like cash, the currency of, of it as well. I try not to rely on the bank machine too much. We're at some place and all of a sudden his credit card not working, debit machine, nothing working. Right. And he was all pissed off about it, but I had no problem because I had cash. Right. One, I had cash with me and two, um, I always carry, I have more than one um, bank account. So I'll have the, you know, like uh, like a bank of Montreal or a TD, right. Or a Royal bank and, you know, a credit union. Because you get into these areas where that machine may not take it from that particular bank system, right? Or you need more money, and they have an uh, they have an idea of you can't you can't only take out X amount of money, and say maybe you need a, a tire repair, or maybe you had to get a tow, and now you've got you know this shortage of funds, right? So I mean, first aid kits are good, of course, to be able to bring it. Usually, there's medical around you, depending on where you're going. Um, there's always somebody to help you. So, you know, to me, it's cash and being able is king, really. And to be able to adapt to the maybe the banking systems or the Internet systems as far as ATMs that, you know, aren't as good as we have in North America. Right. Yeah. What about what's your feelings on tire kits? Because I know there's so many people out there that think that you can plug a motorcycle tire and it's good till the end of its life. And I'm not a big fan of that. I don't know where you stand on that. I look at tire plugs as just to get you so you can get a proper tire. Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly what the manufacturer would tell you. (laughs) (laughs) So we're on the same page. (laughs) Yeah. Legal liability. That's exactly right. But if you're, you know, there's, there's really three things that I make sure that is good. One, that the motorcycle is good. It's been looked after. It's got the right tires on it. It's mechanically sound. I don't care if I'm by myself or with anybody else. I got to look after my own stuff. The second thing is the money, which we talked about. I got to make sure I have the the funds or access to the funds no matter what happens, right? Credit card, debit cards, different machines, whatever, just to be able to do it. And the third one is tire repair kit, for sure. I got to make sure that, you know, I know how to use it. I've got a pump that works for it. And if I do have to use it, then I'm aware when I'm riding or what I'm doing with it. And we can go back to loads on the tire again um, that I understand that that's in there. Right. Because it's really, it's really difficult. I find for, for anybody I ride with that if you put a plug in it and then they say, you know, do you know, no more than 60 K it's just about impossible. Right. Most people just start ignoring it. And then if it's not going down in pressure, 
then they feel they can just keep going and going, which that might that might be your only option if you're in Bolivia and they don't have the size of tire because they don't have that style of machine there, right? You don't have tires for your particular bike. You got a way to order them. Um, but it all goes back down to, you know, you got to be aware of what's, what you're doing, right? As far as the risk goes. So if you do put a plug in it, you got to make sure that it's holding air and that you've done it right. And you've got to understand that it's a temporary thing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And uh, going back to the bank thing, I never even thought of that, of having like the challenges of maybe one bank is accepted here, but not there. And so, you know, having that, those two different kind of bank accounts with different banks. I was on a trip with a girlfriend last year or no, two years ago, her credit card stopped working and that was fine. She had cash. But, you know, you know, gas stations in Canada, you have to pay at the pump or you're going in and do So I'm like, I'll just pay for gas. You pay for dinner and it all works out in the end, you know, and you find a way going into the traveling distance, like for long distance trips, solo versus groups. I mean, groups, you have other people with you to support if something goes wrong. What's some key advice for even me, uh, I do, I travel solo often. Like what would be some advice for me and what I should do to make sure I'm okay? Well, make sure, you know, what we've talked about as far as the bike, right? The bike, your gear, and you've got a way of repairing if you have a, a tire problem, right? That's, you know, if anything made you more than that other than you need gas, it's not a big deal. You, there's somebody to help you out. That's for sure. Um, and two, I think realize, you know, you're not the only one out there. And people tend to help people. They really do. Most times, I mean, you hear on the news about, oh, you're going to get killed or something's going to happen through Mexico, blah, blah, blah. You know, I've never had a problem on the road as far as, you know, people goes. And I've been in a lot of different places, right? So overall, I think if you, you know, if you kind of are confident and you're polite, people will help you out, right? But it's, it is down to the prep area as far as, you know, making sure you're not getting into the wrong areas, making sure you're not, you know, riding at nighttime in an area you don't know, in a country you don't know, you know, those kind of things where you just think this is, I'm setting myself up for more risk. It doesn't mean something's going to happen, but and when you're traveling alone, especially, it's it's like, okay, get up early, get to where you're going to go. Doesn't mean, doesn't mean you have to have a spot picked out. Just means uh, you got to understand when when the, the sun starts to fade, you want to make yourself, you know, off the road. Absolutely. Right. And and one of the things that I have done, not, not for me, I'm pretty confident, um, you know, knowing where I'm going, uh, the one thing that makes my family feel more confident or my friends is I check in with them to let them know I arrived where I said I was going to be, or I am somewhere safe for the night type of thing. Um, it's more for their peace of mind than my own, or they follow my dot. If I have cell phone coverage, (laughs) those phones, they're very stalker. Like, yeah, as long as you've got, yeah. As long as you're in like North America, someplace where you can get good coverage, right. Depending on what you're, but yeah, it's, it's true. I, I tend to, I tend to not really communicate with people when I'm gone too much, right? Yeah. Because I, to me, it's like there's a reason why I'm trying to get away. There's a reason why I'm <laughs> long distance, and it's to disconnect. 
right? And my wife knows that. So she, she'd never be concerned if she hadn't heard from you for three or four days or, or a week or whatever, right? Because that's not the point. The point of, um, I don't know if you follow Million Dollar Bogan, like Danny Hayes on Million Dollar Bogan. He's on YouTube, but his one of his points, I think, is very true, is that um, you've got, it allows the stuff in your head to kind of surface to the top right? To your, for your brain. So the less I connect with people who are in that other part, the better off I am. So for me, solo, I didn't start doing solo rides until I was probably close to 40, right? Because of this fear of if something happens, what's going to happen? How am I going to do with it? But, you know, technology is there for you to use for sure. And there is, you know, as I've made my kids do it, there's good value and just understanding you can look after yourself, Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And and when I touch base, it's like, I'm safe and then leave me alone. So I, I hear you like that disconnecting from things and just go enjoy your vacation. Totally understand. I think there might be a slight difference in men versus women with the exception of your children, because you have taught them and you of that you're of that same mind frame of go out and have an adventure and know you can take care of yourself. I know that. Yes. But I still, there's still that stigma about, Oh, you're a girl traveling distance by yourself. Oh my God. I got a letter from my dad. I'm allowed to do it. You know? Right. <laughs> I just, right, I, right. and sometimes, and that's the nicest thing about riding a motorcycle is, you know, if you're, if you're wearing all your gear and you've, you know, and you've got, you know, shield on of some sort, they don't know who you are. They don't know. I mean, I, I laugh so many times with, with Eric because he's such a baby-faced guy. And, he, and I made him go first through the check stops in Mexico because after a while, I'm like, why am I doing all this? You need to do it. And then he would just flip up his shield and you could just see them look at him like, you're like like this little kid. Like he was a big guy, but your face. And, and he's like, I don't know English. I don't know English. And they're like, whatever, just go. I'm like, oh, it's way better if he leads. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. One so last one. Yeah, sometimes nope, go ahead. it's just, it's sometimes it's just, and that's what I mean. That's where all like people get too wrapped up in that. They just, they got this internal problem of something, you know, it's because of this. I got to be super careful. But most times it's just, you know, just put yourself out there a little bit and then just build up the length of trips. And then you'll, you'll find that it's, it's, it's easy. Yeah. It's just be aware and be cognizant. Uh, one last quick question, um, you, you know, cause you've done this four month trip through like continents. Uh, do you have to like, what about insurance and driver's licenses? Don't you have to get international driver's licenses for some places? And what about yeah. like insurance? Like what if something goes wrong? Do you need extra insurance for these long trips or? Well, uh, international li- driver's license really all that does is it just has what you're qualified to do in different languages okay so that's all that does that just helps the police read whatever language oh says here in my language motorcycle right uh insurance when you're going in and out of countries some countries mandatory so you have to buy insurance right there i mean you've got to check yourself into the country then you got to check your bike into the country so if it's mandatory insurance Eric and I just did it. If it was not mandatory insurance, then we just said to ourselves, one, just be careful and make sure that if something happens, obviously don't make something happen. Be very careful. And if something happens, don't wait around because there's no way I'm going to be staying in some Bolivia jail because of something, right? So just keep going. And then two, um, you have to get yourself, you know, your bike out of the country and yourself out of the country. And then you go through the process again to the next country. 
So we, if, if insurance was available, we took it, but really, I don't know how valid liability insurance is going to be in these third world countries. It's different if you're in Spain or, or uh, something like that. But you know, Nigeria, when we were in Nigeria, I was doing some training there. They don't care. Nobody cares about anything, right? You just, you got to kind of like to each his own, look after yourself and, and try to keep yourself out of trouble. Right. As far as, you know, running into people or having a problem. So it's, I don't, I don't think you can get worldwide insurance around it. And if you did, it would probably be very difficult and expensive. Like for most people, I believe that go around the world, they're just dealing it by country by country. Yeah. And they're just, you know, they're basically saying, well, if something really happens to my motorbike or something really happens here, well, then I've lost that. And, and that's just the cost of doing it. Right. Well, it's the risk you take when you do long trips. But hey, what yeah. can you do? Well, yeah, or you or you rent a motorcycle and then you buy it, and then it works all that way, right? And then you, of course, they'll have insurance and all that for those countries, right? Yeah, but then you miss the joy of riding all the way to there. But I guess that would be yeah. like more going overseas and stuff instead of shipping your bike. Maybe you just go rent one there and and it's dealt with. Right, right. So maybe you're saying to yourself, I want to experience, you know, a trip on my own on a motorcycle. I'll go to someplace like, you know, I don't know, England, where I know the language. <laughs> They're on the wrong road. And I'll rent a bike for a week and I'll just do this little tour. Right. And then you then you can start getting a sense of, oh, this is this is how it works. And then you can start expanding out if you wanted to go to Mexico from here or wherever. Right. No, that all, that's all amazing advice. And thank you very much, Chris, for helping us kind of get an idea of prepping for long trips. It just sounds like there's not really a lot of prep. It's just go out and do. Yeah. Cause you can, you can make it as complicated or as simple as you want. That's okay. really what it is, right? Yeah. And the maybe, yeah. yeah, the idea is to go and maybe everybody can just kind of calm down on the full planning and just go experience life and enjoy yeah. it and if you're going you know with a group compared to a solo i mean you've got to say to yourself what happens if chris's bike you know craps out and see you, you and later I, <laughs> right and you're like chris never looks after his bike this is always a problem it's an old thing and oh my god now you've got to be able to you've got to be able to say yourself, what am i going to do with that and is that an enjoyable thing for you or is it just like well why am i even getting myself involved or you could ride with other people who have the same mindset and be perfectly you know, be perfectly happy of riding that way. Yep, exactly. Choose your groups wisely. Choose your groups wisely. <laughs> it's like business partners. You got to be careful. Exactly. Chris, I want to thank you so much for uh, all the great information on this. And uh, I know we're going to be getting you back for another episode. And uh, yeah, I think we're going to be talking about training and the changes from that in a future episode. So we will tune back in for that on another day. Perfect. Nice seeing you. Talk to you soon. On today's mailbag, we have a personal question for me from a young lady who wishes to rename Nameless. Not sure why, but I'm not going to ask out of the Calgary area. Asking me, how did I get involved in writing or how did I get into writing? I'm going to guess the question is, as a woman, how did I get into writing? But just in general, we'll do both. 
it's the same story anyway. Um, I was pretty young growing up in uh, Saskatchewan. We would head out to the farm during harvest or, you know, seeding or just plain visits to my uncle. And he had one of those little itty bitty Hondas with the big fat tires on it. And I would live on that thing. I would hop on it, ride around the farm everywhere. And it just struck a chord. Many, many years later, I, uh, my whole getting into riding wasn't necessarily about riding motorcycles. For me, getting into riding was the community aspect of it. I never fit in a lot growing up. I was bullied a lot growing up. And uh, when I ended up moving away for university the first go around, I hooked in with a crowd of people who rode motorcycles. It was about the first time I ever felt that I was never being judged, that I was being supported and that I had what was like a sense of family without being my blood family. And being involved in that environment, watching the charitable stuff that the community did, I have a deep love for blues music and and in that group that I was with that all just came together. The perfect storm of, I love this community. I would get on the back of friends' motorcycles and I just loved that feeling. And then I finally, after moving to Edmonton, was able to get on my own. And to get started in that, I took a learn to ride course, even though I had minimal experience before that, wanted to learn from the people who were licensed to do so, to teach. And I got my license back before they did road tests. They just lot tested, hopped on my bike, and you literally have not been able to stop me since. Being on my bike is, uh, as we've heard from other podcast uh, guests and stuff, it's a sense of freedom. It's a sense of where I can get my head straight. It's a sense of belonging. It's a sense of freedom. It's just a passion that I have held deep inside me. The best thing I ever did was ever fall into that first group of riders that I met back in my early, early days in uh, Regina. So I will thank them for that directing me in this path. um, And it brought me to where I am. And that's how I got into riding. Thank you very much for the question. And that is our show for today. To make sure that you don't miss out on any of our upcoming podcasts or listen to previous ones, make sure you click on subscribe or follow wherever you get yours. If there's a topic you think you want us to cover, a guest you think would be great on the show, or maybe just a question for our mailbag segment, let us know. You can connect with us on all the socials, email us at info at ab-amss.org or reach out through the website at ab-amss.org. Always remember to ride smart, ride safe, and think bike. We'll see you out there.